Right. Good morning, church. <clears throat> Joel, thank you for that introduction. I got tears in my eyes already, which ain't good because I haven't even read the word yet. <laughs> but it is so, so sweet to be with you guys this morning. Um, Covenant Fellowship loves Redeemer deeply. I see the little videos with the wood thing in the back, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, the pastoral team greets you guys. Our love is for you guys. It was funny, as I came into Covenant Fellowship Church, I kept meeting all these wonderful people. I was like, oh, that person's about to be my best friend. That person's about to be my best friend. And every single one of y'all was like, yeah, we're going on the church plan. I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> you guys came with a strong team, and it has been incredible to see what the Lord has continued to do through the leadership of this church to add to your numbers. And it is sweet to be here, and I'm excited to preach the gospel to you guys this morning. So if you would, would you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus? We'll be in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read verse 7. Here's how this will work. I'm going to read the text, pray, and then we're just going to get after it. Does that sound good? And before I begin, y'all outed yourselves during the singing. I know y'all are loud. And so if at any point during the sermon I say something that makes you want to shout just a little bit, <laughs> consider this a free invitation to shout back. Chocolate preachers need some, uh, need some noise from y'all, okay? Good. Now that that's out of the way, praise the Lord. All right, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. It's God's holy and authoritative word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are worthy to be praised, you are glorious, and you are kind to have your presence among us as we gather to worship you and proclaim the goodness of your name. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Would you ignite me with a fire that penetrates the hearts of the listeners and penetrates my own heart, Lord? Would you help me to preach with liberty and joy and passion and clarity? Would we all leave this morning with greater affections for Christ? And that cannot happen by any uh, uh, good or clever words that I use, but it happens when your spirit ignites what happens here. So Holy Spirit, we beg and we ask that you would make this a morning where the gospel is proclaimed and lives are changed and we are brought from just another degree of glory to another. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> the title of my sermon this morning is The Lord's Great Name, Revering the Name of the Lord. We are looking at the third commandment, and so let's get after it. <clears throat> What's in a name? Right? We all know it. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Good old Billy Shakespeare wrote that in uh, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo is lamenting that Juliet's name is preventing them from pursuing true love. The Montagues and the Capulets have serious beef with one another, and they are not able to be together. <clears throat> but Romeo is pursuing this love because he's saying that names don't really matter. This didn't really work out because in the end, kind of everybody died. <laughs> But we all know that names are important. 
And although the culture in the ancient Near East had a much deeper significance for the meaning of names than we do now, even today, names are still significant to us. They are important. This was made clear to me when my wife and I began trying to name some of our children. It was very difficult (laughs) because it was hard not to associate names with the people that we knew, whether it be from way back in high school or college, friends, acquaintances, enemies. It was hard not to associate the names with the people that we knew. Another example, when one of our kids is acting a fool or is in error, what do we do? We use their full name to let them know that it's for real. We use the first and the middle. And one of my children in particular has the middle name Stone. It's my mother's maiden name. But she has now associated the title Stone with anything and everything she disagrees with or does not enjoy. So when I am doing something that she doesn't like, she looks at me and furls her brow and she says, Daddy Stone. (laughs) And she does the same with her older brother, Isaiah Stone. Names are significant. They mean something. And whoever gave us our names gave them to us for a reason and after much careful thought. But there is one who was never given a name by anyone. He's the only one who named himself, and that is the Lord. And his name is given to us in Exodus 34, where it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. As the name of the Lord. And Moses' response to this was to fall to his knees in worship. And the third commandment tells us that we must not take his name in vain. We cannot treat his name lightly or frivolously. The Lord's name is so pure and so holy and so majestic that we cannot treat it lightly. And all who do so will be held guilty. Oftentimes, I think as we look at the Ten Commandments, this is one that we think we kind of got down. (laughs) Kevin DeYoung sums it up well. He says, if we're honest, though, when we come to the Third Commandment, we feel like we can let our guard down just a little. Watch what you say. Don't swear. Be careful with your OMGs. Got it. The third commandment feels less like a bedrock principle and more like a good reminder. But to obey the third commandment is much more than avoiding a three-word phrase. It also means appropriately exalting his name. It means that we need to live lives that honor his name. And we need to fill his name and the glory and worship that is due to that name. But the problem is that we often take his name lightly. We've become so buddy-buddy with God that we forget about his otherness, his holiness, his transcendence, the unapproachability of God apart from Christ. Society as a whole is set up in a way that it makes many gods of anything and everything that it can, and it presses us to exalt the names of these gods to be the ultimate object of our worship. And once we do that, once we give in to exalting anything else above the name of the Lord, we are in violation of the third commandment. 
because we have displaced the only name that is worthy to be praised. When we are counting our followers and our likes and our retweets, making sure our bank statements are high enough just so we get that little bit of extra comfort, we're ensuring that our name is exalted. Self-care, though it is incredibly important when it is raised to such a degree, because here's what we do. We are good at taking good things and perverting it into sin. When self-care is, is morphed into self-worship, we are ensuring that our name is exalted. When we fight to exalt any other name than the Lord's, we are displacing the name that is worthy and we are violating the third commandment. And so my hope is that we would not take his name lightly, that we would exalt his name above all things, that in all things we would worship the great name of the Lord, that our lives would be lived in such a way that everything we do screams the glories of the Lord's name as helper and provider and sustainer and creator and protector and peacemaker and justice bringer and encourager and lover because it is the name above all names that needs to be hallowed. He alone is worthy. The command is to not take the Lord's name in vain. And my main point is this. We must exalt his name with wonder, reverence, and joyful admiration. So we're going to examine the third commandment by asking three questions. The first is, what's in a name? Second, how do we take his name in vain? And three, how do we exalt his great name? Question number one, what's in a name? We've discussed this a little bit before, but names had great significance. Philip Ryken helps us in kind of adjusting to the ancient Near East culture. He says, for us, a name is a label. For the Hebrews, the name was inseparable from the person. It expressed a person's inward identity. When we use the name of God, therefore, we are referring to the essence of his divine So what's in a name? What is the significance of the Lord's name? One theologian describes his name as his person, his character, and his reputation revealed. Remember, all of us have a name that someone has given to us. We do not choose our own names, which I'm very grateful for because Isaiah's name would probably be Batman or Optimus Prime. The significance here is that the Lord of the Lord's name is that he has decided what his name is, which means he has decided how we're going to know who he is. He has decided who he is and how we interact with him and what his name represents. He is choosing how he's going to be represented. Philip Reichen, again, is helpful. He says, God's true name is chosen and revealed by himself. We do not tell God who he is. He tells us his name, Yahweh. I am who I am. It speaks of his self-existence, self-sufficiency, and supreme sovereignty. And, and in God's kindness, he didn't just give us like one little section where he reveals himself. Everything in this book reveals the character and who our God is. If you look through the Psalms, you will see much of what the Lord's name evokes. It reveals how awesome he is. It reveals his greatness. Psalm 100 says, give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. What do we learn there? His name is faithful, good, and brings steadfast love. Psalm 99, let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. His name is holy. 
Psalm 96, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. His name brings salvation. Anything in this life separated from the name of the Lord is a disappointment. When God exits the picture, glory exits the picture. Grace exits the picture. Grandeur exits the picture. Goodness exits the picture. That which is associated with the name of the Lord is associated with goodness and power and justice and peace, healing, sufficiency, omnipotence, blessing, fear, trembling, and glory. And for the sake of his name, and and hear me here, when I say for the sake of his name, remember God's dictating what this is. That sentence can be, the, the end of that sentence can be anything God wants it to be. But for the sake of his name, he chooses to rescue and redeem sinners. But there's a warning in this passage as well. It says, there's a warning here, because when we live with a light, small, and insignificant association with the great name of the Lord, God does not take that lightly. And we will not be guiltless if we take his name in vain. Look at how it's described in Leviticus 24. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. But why? Why is the Lord so serious about this? It's because his name is perfect. Because he is holy. Holy, holy, holy. That's who we're dealing with here. And he takes it seriously because he is a God who is for our good. He wants us to flourish. We will not flourish if we take his name lightly. Because when we take the Lord's name in vain, here's what happens. Life gets a bit more cynical. When we are revering and honoring the name of the Lord with our lips, our minds, and our actions, we praise him regularly throughout the day. And that results in gratitude. But when we don't do that, When we grumble and we complain, life is bleak. We can be quick to forget the beautiful sovereignty and goodness of our great God, which means we'll be quick to lose hope in situations, we'll be prone to discouragement, and there is no saving power in his name. But the hope here is that God has warned us. His law is protecting us from ourselves. The Lord is protecting his name because his name is good and it is perfect and it is foundational and it is faithful and it is trustworthy and it is glorious. And his name is the only name that is all those things all at once. His name is worth protecting and he has revealed his name to us. That is what is in a name. Question number two. How do we take his name in vain? Lord, help us. Sin comes, right? We sin whenever we desire or exalt something above God and go for it. When his name is frivolous or treated with vanity, we go for the sin. Philip Ryken, again, is incredibly helpful, and he expands our category for taking the Lord's name in vain, and he says this. Since we are Christians, we bear the very name of Christ. It was by calling upon his name that we were saved in the first place. We received his name upon entering the church when we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now the very name of Christ is associated with everything we do. Our reputation is a reflection on his reputation. So we should always make it our aim to honor his name. And when we don't do this, the third commandment 
is violated. We can take his name in vain with our words. We can take his name in vain with our lack of words. Leaving God out of the equation when we express gratitude is taking his name in vain. God's name can be despised. It can be defiled when we use phrases with his name in it to emphasize a point or to show disgust or shock. Because God requires us to praise his name every day. Anything less is less than the glory that is due his name. There should not be a day that passes without moments of acknowledgement and admiration and worship and surrender to the name of the Lord. We cannot speak in a way that tarnishes his name. Listen, if I am experiencing a situation that is overwhelming to me and I act like the situation is stronger and bigger than my Savior, I've taken his name in vain. The Lord's name affects our speech towards one another, especially the believers in Christ, right? If Christians are blessed by the name of the Lord on them, we are taking his name in vain when we slander or gossip or treat other Christians with disregard. I can't be talking crazy about those who bear the name of Christ. If his name is appropriately magnified in worship, then I got no business speaking harsh or cruel or slanderous towards anyone who was made in his image and who bears the name of Christ. But when you're not concerned with the name of the Lord being hallowed and worshipped and adored and glorified, you tear down others in order to ensure that your name is hallowed. Because that's what we're wrestling with many times. It's not just that we forget about the Lord's name and, and, and honoring and revering that, but we want our own name and our own reputation to be exalted. Sidebar here. We also take his name in vain when we use it to press forward our own agenda by dressing it up in spiritual language. Even if our intentions are good, we have to tread lightly here. If you begin a sentence with, I believe it is God's will that you, those next words better be directly from the word. The Lord told me to tell you, tread carefully. God told me you finna be my wife. Come on. <laughs> we make light of his name when we use it to lend force or persuasion to our language. We can take his name in vain with our actions. <laughs> you know when you write a sermon and then you like look through it and you just get convicted all over again? <laughs> How do we spend our time? We're pretty aware when our time and money are, and priorities are out of whack. One thing we can do is check up on your screen time. Look, every single week you get that little weekly report. That thing is accountability. Where is your time going throughout the week? Check items on your budget list. Where is your money going? Are the first fruits going to the efforts of exalting the name of the Lord or exalting your own status and ensuring that you have comforts? What are the first things to be pushed aside to be dealt with for another day when you're too busy? Are they self-serving things or are they God-exalting things? Let's get into it. What about the sin of lust? Rather than satisfaction in God and God alone, the name that is the perfect friend of sinners and who knows me best and has set up sexual boundaries for my flourishing, rather than obeying that and exalting his name, I'm going to give in to my carnal desires and toss the good name of the Lord to the side for just a moment. Lust is taking the Lord's name in vain. 
with our thoughts and our attitudes. Every grumble, moan, and complaint against a situation or circumstance is going against the good and perfect sovereignty of the Lord. Now hear me here. Crying out to the Lord is different because that's still recognizing his power and that he is the source of all things. But complaining about it is emptying his name of honor and respect and it's taking his name in vain. I want to pause here because I feel, I I do feel led to uh, exhort some of you in here who are in a season of just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you have not yet complained against the Lord but you've cried out to him over and over again and you're not sure if he hears you. You are not taking the Lord's name in vain and your waiting ought to be commended. Because in your hardship, you are still trusting that he is good. You are still revering his name. You're looking at the promises of scripture and you're saying, I know the situation is not what I want. But I know who God is. So I'll continue to wait on him. In our anger. Rather than enjoying the fact that whatever God ordains is right and good, I'm going to rage because my ideas might be better than God's. That thought treats the Lord's name with vanity. Are you anxious and exhausted? Are you entrusting all things to the name that judges justly? Do you believe that you can rest because God is at work? Because here's the reality. The Lord God is always at work, even in our suffering. Even in our significant suffering, his name does not change. It does not lose its power. He is still gracious. He still loves you. He is still for you. And all of your hardships and situations must bow their knee to the name that is above all names. And that is in, even in the midst of unimaginable difficulty. We can look to the promises associated with his name and remember that he is the God of all comfort, that he is the God who provides, that he will surely sustain you because it's what his name demands. And it is what his name upholds. And there's another beautiful thing here is that our God does not delegate your care. He doesn't say, hey, Michael, go deal with this. I'm busy at the moment. No, 1 Peter 5, his name is the God of all grace, and he's called you into his eternal glory in Christ. And he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Let's move on to question number three. How do we, that is my favorite point. (laughs) How do we exalt his great name? Well, obviously, we praise his name. With gratitude and thanksgiving, we shout out the glories of his name. So we read the word to learn more about him. We pray and commune with God throughout the day. Listen, don't just tap into the word in prayer in the morning and trust that'll keep you revering his name appropriately throughout the day. We are way too good at sinning for that to fill us up for the whole day. (laughs) you're laughing because you all know we've all had sweet meaningful glorious times in his word in the morning you're like man I must be up there with John in the third heavens and then all of a sudden you start wiling out in the car screaming at your kids your or your roommates on the way out the door and not only that here's what else is happening we are constantly fighting for our own names to be revered 
And also, everyone else is fighting for their own names to be, be revered. Celebrities, politicians, musicians, athletes, bosses, co-workers, you, me, all of us want our names to not be taken lightly. We don't want vanity associated with our names. I want you guys to like me. I'm sure that's mixed motives. Some of that is holy, but some of that is messed up. I need to die to myself and realize it doesn't matter what people think about me. I am here to represent the name of the Lord. And so we fight that by praising our God, refusing to belittle his name with each passing hour of the day. So when we wake up first thing in the morning, we must do something that rearranges your thoughts and your priorities. I love it. John Piper says when he wakes up in the morning, he feels like the devil is sitting on his face. I'm like, dude, I get it. And so there's a simple prayer I pray each day. You are God. I am not. I surrender this day to you. Silence your anxieties and your to-do list by screaming out the glories to the name of our sovereign Lord, who in his kindness has allowed you to wake up another day and recognize that there are sweet mercies that are reserved just for you, just for this specific day. How do we exalt his name? We believe in his name. There is a practical act of trust in all aspects of the name. God wants us to respond by denouncing the glory of any other name but God's and to entrust our lives to the faithful name of the Lord. We worship him. All of our lives are given to God. All of life is God's. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Eating to the glory of God, praise his name. Working to the glory of his name, resting to the glory of his name, being patient with your roommate to the glory of his name, tending your garden to the glory of his name, exercising to the glory of his name. His name is glorious enough to require and elicit praise in all of these situations. Our lives must scream the glories of God and the beautiful, majestic holiness of his name. People ought to know that we are Christians before they even hear us utter a single word. And then our words ought to confirm their suspicions that we are those who exalt the name of the Lord. Janie Ortland masterfully lists out how to exalt and remember his name through these lists. And she's got little scriptures at the end of each phrase. I'm just going to read through it. God's name can be loved, praised, walked in, esteemed, waited on, given thanks to, feared, called upon, and blessed. Because he is the God who sees. He is Elohim, the omnipotent creator. He is El Shaddai, the sovereign Lord or God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. He is El Elohe Israel. The God of Israel, he is Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, God's personal name, which expresses the essence of God's character. He is the self-existent, self-sufficient sovereign who depends on no one. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, our security in the presence of our enemies. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. They should leave us in awe and sobered. 
we can consciously treasure and exalt the name of the Lord. The deeper we know the name of the Lord, the quicker and more intensely reasons for shouting his praises can come to our mind. And how else do we exalt his name? We look at the life of Jesus. The entirety of his life was done in obedience. You look at the anger at the hypocrites who by their actions took the name of the Lord in vain. The way that he denied all the temptations of the devil in the desert. The laying down of his perfect will. The laying down of his will in perfect obedience. The tears he shed for you and me in Gethsemane. The perfect trust in the character of his name. The reaching out the outcast and knowing the name that is to be called upon to be saved. We listen to Jesus and how he instructed us to pray, hallowed be your name. To desire the fame and glory of his name to be spread, to hold it in reverence and to be in awe of it. To see it as sacred and separate and above all. And we joyfully shout out praises to his name for all that he has done for us and all that he is for us and all that he will do. There is a past, present, future faithfulness that we can rely on because God is faithful. That's what his name demands. The hallowed and holy name of our Lord matters. His name is everything. His name demands authority. His name demands power. His name demands holiness and reverence. And we must give his name what it calls for. That's what this commandment is telling us. To give the Lord the glory that is due his name. And Jesus Christ did all of this perfectly. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He obeyed every aspect of the law to perfection. Christ came to us to reveal this great and saving name to us in obedience to the third commandment. Psalm 124, our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. John 1:12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 20, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. Romans 10. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm closing here soon. I've got a couple more scriptures to read. Philippians 2, 8, 8 through 11. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revelation 19, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. 
From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our Jesus. This is our God whose name shall not be taken in vain, but shall be exalted. And so church, what do we do? A myriad of Psalms tells us to sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Let's pray.